Welcome to The Soul Connection, an exploration of the interconnectivity between our social influencers, physical and emotional well-being, with a spark of spirituality. Please welcome your host, The Soul Doctor, Dr. Christiane Lefferts, known as Dr. K. Hello, welcome to The Soul Connection, and today I have Catherine Davis coming to us from Stone Fountain over there in Georgia from the Restoration Project. And we connected in Tampa, oh, a few weeks ago. And I thought, wow, this lady has got such a a great message for today, the Restoration Project. We are in such huge need of restoration throughout this country and from in every community, in every land, in every heart, um, from our cities, to our individual families. And uh, I thought I invited her on to the show today, and she so graciously accepted. And there are some really serious issues that, you know, we need to have a discussion about and links to health and health issues because of um, the, the epidemic of the loveless society is what I call it. And I welcome you, sister. Thank you so much for taking your time and uh, sharing your story and your project with our listeners. Uh, Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, yes. I would like, first of all, for you to kind of give a little background about your, your project, what you're doing there, and also how people can find you as we get into this discussion, they may really have a heart for what you're doing and want to connect with you. Awesome. Um, I am the founder and president of the Restoration Project, which is a pro-life, pro-family, pro-education organization that for many years was focused on life, because without life, there's no family that needs an education, (laughs) Um, but now has shifted gears to begin to spotlight projects, um, issues that are particularly devastating to the family. Um, Our families in America have been ravaged uh, in our culture for a whole host of reasons. Um, And I am drawing attention to those reasons so that we can begin to repair and restore the family structure in America. Yes, and and there is a lot of attention that's needed. Uh, we were doing a little bit of discussion pre-interview and, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up a book. It's called First Aid for the Soul and God has just granted me so much favor with a um, publicity team, with an editor, which is absolutely top-notch. And I believe that favors come because it's a message that has to get out our our souls as America, as individuals, are seriously in need of some first aid, and people don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And so, what I wrote was, a, it's a weekly devotional, because people with PTSD, they have a problem with focus and attention. And that's not even addressing that about half Americans already have ADD, and, and coming out of the type of um, harsh messaging that has come over the media, that has come through, uh, you know, families have come from their jobs, have come from all over the place at people, individuals, 
even from churches have been split in this last, I call it a very harsh season that Americans went through. And, um, you know, more people than ever are suffering from PTSD symptoms. It's one of the top five complaints now in the HR departments. And so when I wrote this uh, devotional, and I believe it was Holy Spirit driven, I put it into um, segments. So it's like a once a week type read because people can't focus for more than 10 pages at a time right now. And they don't even realize that this is a product of the loveless society of turning on uh, the media and constantly having watching violence and watching people one against another, one group calling another um, names and um, making one group fearful of another. And it's constant division, whether it's race, whether it's medical status, whether in all these different ways, just chop, 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 chop. And, you know, I love your message that you are, you know, you're promoting a restoration project because of the toll it's taking on people's health, not just mental health. That's a symptom, but also our physical health and our spiritual health and our just the the quality of life within the American households are suffering. And so, you know, I thank you for bringing forward some of this uh some of the history, because if we don't know our history, we're, we're bound to repeat it. And, it. and it can show up as one thing in one generation, and it can show up as another monster in another generation. Well, I think we're at a time in history where we have to connect the dots, because so much has happened in our culture over the last 50, 60 years And it was a slow fade into where we were. It wasn't like, boom, I'm in your face. We're going to remove God from the culture. You know, we're going to um, introduce policies um, and practices that will impact the family in a negative way. None of that was prevalent. You know, if we go back to um, the 50s and the 60s, it was a very different culture. We weren't as divided, even with Jim Crow in America, we weren't as divided then as we are today. Because um, our skin color at that point had not been weaponized. Mm -hmm. Um, But today it has been weaponized. Today, you know, in some school systems, our children are being taught to hate one group as being privileged Um, and the other groups to look with pity on them because they are victims. Um, And as long as we're promoting a victim mentality, a victim narrative, it's like those who are being told that they're victims can never fight their way out of that on their own. So at some point, we have to stop and say, enough of that, (laughs) you know, and let's connect the dots. What has happened in the last 50, 60 years? What, especially when you look at a community like the Black community. Um, our culture today has taught us to fear Black men um, because they're Black men and they're going to rape you or they're going to do something untoward to you. We've been taught um, that most Black people are poor, and that is just not true. 
but we all get lumped into this category of of needing government assistance, of needing um, someone to take care of us as if we were not able to take care of ourselves. So it's a program. It's programming. Yes. It's exactly right. So if you look at the Black community pre-1965, we were a thriving community. And granted, we couldn't walk in the front door of the department store or stay in a hotel or drink out of the water fountain or use the bathroom. But if you look across the nation, there were many thriving, what we would consider wealthy today, communities, because we had doctors and lawyers and educators, all the things that we couldn't have in the broader culture we had in our culture out of need, because we had to have our own doctors, we had to have our own lawyers, our own insurance companies. Um, Many people don't realize that the insurance industry was birthed out of the Black community, Um, but we don't recognize that, and we don't know that. So we had insurance, we had all of these things. Our churches were our gathering places and the preachers, the men of God, were the ones who were setting the standards in our community. I can remember as a child, if a man walked by um, a pastor's house, let's say, and that pastor was sitting on the porch, he would take his hat off. Out of respect, you know, there was a time in the black community when if the man gave his word, that was all that was needed, his word and a handshake. We didn't have to have 50 kajillion contracts with teeny tiny print (laughs) that you couldn't read. Right. Right. Um, Because it was a different time, a different culture. But in the last 50, 60 years. Um, It's like the scripture says, remove not the ancient boundaries. We've removed the ancient boundaries. We we attack men um, as if they can't do anything right, especially Caucasian men. I just feel sorry for them because they can't do anything right according to the culture today. Um, Every day we're being told that because I have more melanin in my skin than you have in yours, that we should be at odds with one another. We should be fighting one another. Um, And that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, that's just nuts. So, So the Restoration Project does projects to call attention to the forces that are destroying our families, that are destroying our communities, and, and hopefully we can start conversations on how to repair that. I can come to t- Tampa and get you guys jump-started on a conversation about how we fix some of the broken places. Um, and I don't have to be there the entire time because then it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 1969, the National Organization of Women had this meeting where they were organizing the organization. And they did this call and response kind of chant thing. Why are we here to make revolution? What kind of revolution? A cultural revolution. 
And how do we make a cultural revolution? By destroying the American family. How do we destroy the American family? By destroying the American patriarch. How do we destroy the American patriarch? By destroying monogamy through homosexuality, eroticism, promiscuity, and prostitution. So this uh, organization that many feminists revere today set out, they sent women whose so-called rights they were fighting for into communities to be the prostitutes, to be erotic, to be promiscuous, to promote a lifestyle that would break up our families. And if you look at the Black community, you can see the result of that because today, 72% of our families are headed by females and the men have been driven out of the homes. So the Restoration Project is working to bring the men back. Um, We have to get the men back in the mix. We have to show them how much we value and appreciate them as opposed to driving them away um, and being unleashing the beast in men to treat women like they're nothing more than a commodity uh, to be traded back and forth. And that's where my organization steps in to start connecting these dots. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's much needed. Um, You're actually talking about a subject that I put into my first aid for the soul because it follows patterns and in scripture, we're both Christians. So we can talk a little bit about this in scripture. Everything is brought into this marriage type of uh, speech and it's a pattern. And, you know, Jesus has a bride and, and it's not, Jesus has a, um, Hispanic community bride or a black community bride or a white community bride. Jesus has a bride and we are all made in his image. And we're all part of that, that beautiful marriage that happens as a community. And, um, and this country was founded on that. And, you know, I actually wrote about this in the last couple, uh, shall I say devotions in my devotional about how this really is um, an erasing of the the principles that the, the family is so much the ideal center of what the the principles are supposed to hold that if you have men confused about who they are or how to grow up or um, not even understanding biblical principles they they can't walk in their divine future and their divine destiny. And then you have women because they represent the feminine side, the, more the, the um, emotional side. They're not grounded. And so you, yeah. there's this, that's where, but if the, the man isn't grounded, the woman can't find grounding. And that's where all of this discord starts coming. And it comes from this whole national discussion as our country takes out the anchors of the, the Christian foundation that we were based on. It ripple. The, there's a ripple effect through everything. And um, I, one of the best 
uh, interviews and, and gentlemen that I've had a couple of them. One, you know, is Alan Parker. I've had the privilege of interviewing uh, from the Justice Foundation. And the other one is Dr. Paul Jaley up in uh, Plymouth from the Plymouth Rock Foundation. And he talks about, uh, he really not just talks about, he has documented our Christian history. And I saw one of his uh, presentations, and it was so phenomenal how everybody rejoiced this declaration around the world of inalienable rights, meaning they're not given to an elite group, which, by the way, is the message of social justice. Right. Right. They, they try to get everybody to hand all their rights over to them so then they can decide who they want to give it to. And they want to redistribute them according to these superficial, if you're in our group, if you, know, if you believe just like us. But that's the same thing. It's the same spirit that dates all the way back to the Chaldeans, the Babylonian spirit of Baal. It's the same thing coming right through from culture to culture. It's a spiritual war. And, you know, when that declaration was made of this country, it inspired revolutions throughout the world, throughout the world. They held up our Declaration of Independence. Martin Luther uh, King, he stood up and said, you know, in his, his speeches, everybody celebrated because they knew it was a promise that had to come true that we all have these rights. So even though, you know, unfortunately, it didn't trickle to every single person when it was written, the spirit was there and everybody celebrated because it was a promise that it was going to come to all people. It's a covenant. And that's what people don't understand. It's a sacred covenant between people and God, not just people and white wigs from (laughs) 1776. It is people, the nation, the foundation of this country, and God. And I think we have to help people understand how we moved so uh, drastically away from those principles. There were forces at work in our culture and in the world that were seeking to destroy that biblical foundation that we are made in the image and likeness of God. I mean, the very first command that God gave to mankind was to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And we've been having um, century-long battles to stop that reproduction of um, those who are made in his image and likeness. So another force that was introduced in our culture was a woman named Alice Bailey. She was the founder of the New Age movement or the mother of the New Age movement. And she introduced a 10-point plan to remove Christianity from the culture. Mm -hmm. And the first thing she said was take God and prayer out of the education system. And what happened in America in the 1960s, we had Madeleine O'Hare. She filed her complaint, one woman, and got prayer taken out of our schools. Um, They taught, she, uh, Alice Bailey talked about um, 
reducing parental authority over our children, what's happening in our culture today? Parents are literally being arrested for trying to stand up for their children in the public school system, standing against uh, books that promote pornography, um, standing against policies that pit one group of children against another group based on the color of their skin. And I mean, literally, these school boards are saying, you have no voice. It's like, wait a minute, how are you taking away my authority over my children? But again, it's a deliberate um, act. Alice Mm -hmm. Bailey said we should destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure. And what do we have today? I mean, you can't turn on the TV or turn on, look at the internet news without seeing how families are being destroyed. Um, We have a spirit of murder that is running rampant in our culture today in America. And every day you see another story of some heinous crime, not just um, that people are committing crimes, but because of that whole defund the police thing, we now have lawlessness running rampant in many of our major cities uh, across the country. Somehow the dots have to be connected and we have to say this far and no further. We have Mm -hmm. to go back to our founding uh, principles, our founding documents, and begin to comport ourselves, not just talking about what they did in 1776, Mm -hmm. but we have to, if necessary, quote, take to the streets. And I don't mean violence when I say that, but to uphold a standard of righteousness in this country. We know what the word says. The first family began in the garden. And what does God say at the end? At the end, we're going to a marriage, the marriage supper of the lamb. It's all about family. And we had better collect ourselves and push back against these forces that are pushing the family out of the culture and promoting the government in place of the family, promoting the government, which is failing us on every hand. I remember when I was a child, one of my neighbors came over to the house and we were playing out, me and my sisters were playing outside on the porch and he grabbed me, pulled me onto his lap and stuck his hand up my dress. My dad was in the house. And he was on his way out and he saw what happened. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He didn't run out the door throwing hands. He did a U-turn and went upstairs. I did not know my dad had a Second Amendment. (laughs) But he came downstairs (laughs) with his Second Amendment. When my dad's foot hit that bottom step, that neighbor took off running. He was running for his life because why? My dad was doing what dads did in those days. They protected their families first. They were not going to allow men to molest their daughters. They were not going to allow uh, the ancient boundaries, if you will, to be removed. Regardless of good, bad, or indifferent kind of dad, 
the dads that I grew up under protected their families, protected their homes. They were the priests of their household. Um, we need to bring that back. And we need to talk about how do we get that back? How do we pull back into our culture, this role of the man? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree. In the home. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. Um, and it really does start with men understanding their roles and, and um, as a mother of a, a teenage young man now who's, who's growing into a, a fine young man, um, I do what I can to try to connect him spiritually because I know that if you just turn on the television and you watch what they say, the role models that they put out there for what cool is and what, um, what chicks dig, so to speak, you know, he's going to get all the wrong messages. And, and you're right. I watched too, how they, they feature, you know, the white 20 year old male subliminally in everything from advertisements to uh, characters and you know it's well, like they're, 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 they're not portraying them as men they are portraying them in a very feminized way you see on tv today more men kissing men hugging men in a sexual kind of way not you know dad to son but you see this ultimate feminization. You see men um, in women's clothing. Um, there's a, a rap guy, not that I listen to rap at all, but um, his name is Little Nas. This young man has a video of himself giving a lap dance to the devil, to Satan. In wow. his video. And this, I just saw a picture of him the other day. And he's dressed head to toe in women's clothing. And I'm like, what are we telling our young men? What signals are we sending to them that has them more concerned about their sexual prowess and not understanding their role as men? So can we pair our young men? Are there men in our churches who understand what it means to be a man? Can we pair our young men with them so that our young men can learn? Um, There's a, a magazine article that I read a few years ago, and it talked about these elephants in Africa and how these elephants were overpopulating the preserve. And so they flew or took a number of the the male, the bull elephants, they took them to another preserve. And um, once they did that, they began to notice that um, all these animals, precious animals were turning up dead. The white rhinoceros, which is a a endangered species. Um, 
So they're thinking, what do we have a rash of poachers coming? What's going on? So they put cameras in the preserve to try to catch what they thought was poachers. But what they saw was that at night, the young bull elephants were running rampage over the other animals. It was the young bull elephants that were killing the, the other animals in the preserve. Wow. So they realized they needed to bring some of the older bull relevant, uh, elephants back. And when they did, that behavior immediately ceased. If we can see that in animals, we should be able to see it in our families. If we bring our men back into the family, into the fold, pairing our young men with older men who know how to be men, who understand what the role of a man is. Um, Can we pair our young women with seasoned women in our church who understand um, homemaking, who understand womanhood? You know, one of the most beautiful things that God did was make a woman, you know? And we don't need to to reject our femininity. We don't need to reject our womanhood or think that our womanhood means being a housewife of Atlanta, which is what this young girl here said she wanted to be when she grew up. She wanted to be a housewife. And the people were like, oh, that's so sweet. But she's talking about housewife of Atlanta. She's not talking about understanding how to make a home for her family, how to cook, how to clean, how to even clean herself, much less a house. Um, She wasn't talking about that. She was talking about the glitz and glamour associated with marrying a ball player or a Mm -hmm. movie producer or whatever. So I think we have to be deliberate in bringing the mail back and then closing the gate that has let so many of these policies come in that it is destroying our families um, yeah. and our health. Because mm-hmm. now we've got health care concerns that are through the roof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. and that, you know, confusion multiplies. And when people don't understand their identity in Christ, then they they sometimes be covetous of another identity and it's like trying it on. And I, I tell when, when I work with people and I've, I've done jail ministry and prison ministry for a number of years. And uh, really there, there's no greater blessing than to find your purpose, your identity. Yeah. And that's where you find it with Christ. And you don't have to become somebody else. You don't have to, uh, there is something very special for each one of us. And, you know, I'm not personally the, the happy homemaker type. I'm, I'm very much out in the community, but I have, you know, because I'm a woman and a mother, I have this natural constant concern about what is going on in my home, what, you know, and the status of my son and what he's doing. And, and it's always on my mind because I'm programmed that way. Naturally, right. even though, right. even though I'm out and about and connecting and meeting and, and doing my thing, but I understand too, God, God's just given me some, some really phenomenal blessings in, in, um, 
sharing things with me as, you know, a, a byproduct of salvation and a byproduct of wanting to know him more, he starts showing you things. And one of the things he showed me was a vision of a chessboard. And, you know, so many times the queens are trying to be kings because kings don't even know they're kings and they treat their women like um, disrespectfully. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. I remember one time I was taking a group that we had been ministering with to a Christian concert and it happened to be a group of females. And, um, and so we're arriving there and there was a group of Christian men standing outside. Uh, I was I believe multicultural and I don't know what church sent them or, or what group sent them. I, you know, may have even been a plant. I don't know. But they were yelling at all the women to go back to the kitchen and know our place. And it was so, and I'm bringing new believers. And, you know, I'm sitting here going, man, you know, these people, they don't, first of all, they don't understand the scriptures and they don't understand the pattern of scriptures. They're picking and choosing phrases out because they've been jilted. <laughs> and, in, you know, putting their hurt in it and and projecting it onto other people. And um, and that is so not God. You know, women are supposed to be, because we are more relational, we're supposed to be the mighty connectors. And and that's in an individual way for our families, but that's also in a corporate way for the churches. That's one of our natural gifts. As kingdom people, we're queens like a chessboard. We go around. And guess what? Queens can be extraordinarily powerful. If you notice a chessboard, they're the most valuable player. However, men hold this natural authority. When the king falls, the game is over. Morale is done. So, you know, we need each other because coming together jointly, we make the image of God. And I, and when I tell people this, I say you got to look at Revelation or uh, Genesis one twenty seven when it talks about God. There was this heavenly generation that existed with no bodies. So Jenner was this this whole getting caught up on this outside shell wasn't their issue, and they were complete people, male and female. So there there there's a spiritual concept to completeness with male and female, and it you know. It isn't to get caught out up on the outside body. It's an inside event. I think we have to go back and, and look at the Bible and begin to teach the Bible for what it actually says and not man's interpretation. If you look at Proverbs 31, that Proverbs 31 woman, she was running the family. She was running the business. Her husband was sitting in the gate running his mouth with the boys. But she was keeping hearth and home together. She was earn, making earnings for her family. Just because we say homemaker doesn't mean we are relegated to a kitchen. And that's the dogma that they use to begin to break up the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the word says that we're helpmates. That's right. what the word, word says. We are we are to that man what makes him complete, really, because without us, he can't do the right thing. 
<laughs> right? According to the word of God. So let's start teaching the scripture the way it was written and not buy into these cultural roles that we've been indoctrinated to believe. There is nowhere that it says um, that a woman can't be in ministry and still manage her household. You right, may right. not, you know, there are women in our churches who love to clean. I don't happen to be one of them, right? <laughs> but they exist. Can mm -hmm. we pair our younger women with them to learn how to clean? There are women and men who love to cook. Mm -hmm. Can we pair our younger men with them, our younger women with them to learn those skills? Right. Can we um, begin to, to rebuild the family structure according to what God said? Because God said, when we have children, he said, we're blessed. He said, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. But right now, so many forces are coming against the family that we can't see the forest for the trees. And because we are out of order, we have um, all of these things that are happening that we need to connect the dots so we can stop, like healthcare. You know, for, for a very long time, we have not dealt with this crisis. We have a healthcare crisis in America, and it is not because women can no longer get abortion on demand in every state. Um, um, we have an epidemic of breast cancer right now amongst women in America, and it's younger women. It's not, you know, you think they're 60, 70 years old. No, we have 25, 29 to 45 year olds who are now experiencing breast cancer. And guess what they're not telling us? That there's a direct link between breast cancer and abortion. Mm, 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 mm. And they're still encouraging our young women to abort their children as if that is a normal thing that doesn't have consequences, but it does, because mm -hmm. now we have an epidemic of breast cancer running rampant um, in our culture. And among Black women, it is particularly deadly because Black women are presenting with something called triple negative. So you can't even test for it. And by the time they discover that you have it, you're in stage four. So Black women are dying from breast cancer at a humongous rate, like 40% rate um, wow. over any other ethnic group. We have an extreme premature birth rate right now um, amongst post-abortive women. And there is a direct link between premature birth and abortion, because it weakens your womb. And in the Black community, again, it is an extreme premature rate, which means that we can't carry our children for a full nine months, and our children are going to be uh, born prematurely. And it is so bad that they're usually born before you could reasonably expect life support to help them, the medical care oh, wow. to help them. Um, um, we have a rash of, of suicides happening amongst our young, younger um, women today. And it's like we are not um, 
paying attention to that, that the leading cause of death for 14 to 25-year-olds, I believe it is, is suicide. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about that. I know. Why are our young people killing themselves that way? You know, we have a whole society. You mentioned earlier ADHD, PTSD, but we also have a huge uh, uh, group of people who are depressed. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I never heard of bipolar depression um, um, 30 years ago, you know, and now it seems like everybody's being diagnosed as bipolar. We have a rising number of injuries in the abortion clinics across the, um, the nation, some of which are ending in death. And I don't mean easy death. I mean, torturous death, mm. um, bleeding, internal bleeding, and, and the abortion centers not taking you for emergency care. Um, it, it's, we have a health care crisis in America amongst women today, and we're being fed a lie. So let's connect some dots so that we can begin the restoration of the family, bringing our men back, but equipping our women to understand the fight. The fight is not about whether or not you should be able to take the life of your child on demand. The fight is, do you love yourself? Because you just opened the door to all kinds of psychological and physical problems that you are going to experience or are even experiencing now. And you just didn't realize that what your experience was related to that abortion decision that you made 20, 30 years ago. Um, we've got to change the dynamics and we've got to be deliberate about it. We have to be as deliberate about telling women and men the truth as they were about destroying the truth in our culture and not telling us. So we got to put God back. Mm -hmm. um, um, even if our political parties are saying, take God out of their platform, we have to put him back because that's the only standard that we have by which to measure, are we a thriving community or a dying community? And right now, God help us, we are very much a dying community, uh, whether it's from breast cancer, from abortion, from suicide, from premature birth, from crime. Um, uh, we see the only answer to our problems as I'm just going to shoot you or I'm just going to stab you or I'm just going to, you know, go do some untoward things towards you, run you over with my car, um, mm -hmm. you well, know, while you're marching in a parade or something. Yeah. yeah. And a, a lot of this is part of the what we talked about, the programming. Um, I sitting behind me, I have actually a whole host of brain scan images on my wall. And there is brain chemistries too, um, because of our nutritional. So we have a food source that's full of GMOs. I think they've engineered the nutrition out. So it can't even support the neurotransmitter. So if you have a hot brain, the natural um, nutrients in your brain or in the food that would calm it down don't even exist now. Um, 
and these are many different issues that we could talk for quite a long time and actually we're running down on the show time, but it, it is a call for America to wake up, wake yes. up. One another is not your enemy. There is a real enemy and it's a spiritual enemy. Yes. It is a spiritual enemy that's ki- that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you agree with that enemy, you will end up being a victim of it. There That's is right. no agreeing with evil and walking away as the victor. That's right. That's None. Right. So it's time for the body of Christ to suit up. Suit like up. Suit Wake up, up like it tells us um, uh, to put on our full armor. Yes. You know, it's time to suit up, put on our armor and run into this battle of good versus evil and rescue our children from the predators, rescue our families from the jaws of destruction and um, bring us back to a reasoned uh, existence um, in this nation. And as America goes, so goes the world. Exactly. Exactly. Because we, listen, we are the shining city upon the hill for the whole world. Because what what people don't understand with that prophetic declaration was our birth was one of nobility that that less than 5% of the world has ever done. Right. We take it for granted, but less than 5% of the world has ever done and without God, none of them have been long-term successful. That's the only uniting factor. Because what happens is you get the bigger bully that ends up winning and you get just a different form of tyranny. The only way this works is with God at the center. And he God needs to be the center of everything. That's right. So, so let's do this. Let's agree that we're going to go out and change our culture yes. and our communities back into God-fearing, family-centered existence. Yes, I do most certainly agree with that. And I call upon all people. And and there is an epidemic of, you know, single parents and and, um, in our country. And those people also need a hand up. They need, you know... um, those priestly men to come alongside of them and, you know, Hey sister, you know, let me take your son and I'm going to show him how to do, how to change breaks this weekend or something, you know, because these are things that the women can't do. They're juggling so much trying to keep their own household going and and raise the children. And especially if there's multiple of them, you know, um, People in our churches need to start recognizing that and saying, okay, you know, I have a little extra time. I'm doing this with my son. And let me look and see, oh, his, you know, call up your friend so-and-so, invite him over. Because I know as a single parent, I really appreciate that when people do that with my son. Because there are some things that I'm not equipped to teach him. And I love it when another godly man comes along and says, hey, you know what? Come on over. We're going to do this and you're going to learn a little something about it. So that's a call out to the Christian community to, hey, join hands together, help one another. And guess what? You invest in somebody, that mother might be praying for you in your most needed moment in your life. 
You know, when you reach out and put out a, because I know that's one thing, I'll light it up in prayer for people. And, you know, if I can give that back for somebody who's, you know, showing me kindness in my time of need or, or showing, you know, kindness toward my son, which is, you know, so key to my heart, then I will bless them back in whatever way I can. So, sister, it has been so nice to spend this hour with you. And, uh, I, I bid you well up there and look forward to connecting again. Uh, give a shout out for your website so people can connect with you. It's the restorationproject.life, L-I-F-E dot life, the restoration project. And they can email me at Catherine with a C, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at the restorationproject.life. I've enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. Thank you again for tuning in to The Soul Connection. We can be found at soulconnectionusa.com with our developing community. Please join us again every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, find new ways this week and every week to make your own Soul Connections. The Soul Connection with Dr. K hosts a forum of expert guests that showcase popular topics that can impact the soul. Weekly, Our Soul Doctor connects with authors, medical professionals, and leaders that share expertise and testimonials. Check out our growing community on site at soulconnectionusa.com. Tune in to Feed the Soul Live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, or listen on your time on the Voice America Variety Channel.